You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hello, this is Jordan Peele, the director of Get Out, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, this is Daryl Bell from Planet Earth. Now, actually, I'm from a different world, school days, and, well, Chicago. There you go. I'm from there, too, and it's a joy and a pleasure to be here on the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm Amy Aniobi, writer-producer on HBO's Insecure, and you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. What up, this is Luke James, and you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Oh, yeah. This is Sanaya Sydney, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. tuning in to episode 155 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. This episode features two professional entertainers in Hollywood. The first a filmmaker, the second an actress. In our first segment, we welcome filmmaker Malcolm D. Lee. He's on our podcast to celebrate the DVD release of the film Night School featuring Tiffany Haddish and Kevin Hart. In our second segment, we interview actress Sanaya Sidney. You may have seen her in films such as Hidden Figures, Fast Color, and Fences. Well, in this segment, she's on to talk about her new series that debuts this month called The Passage on Fox. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode, 155, filmmaker Malcolm D. Lee and actress Sanaya Sidney. Malcolm D. Lee is a filmmaker, screenwriter, producer, and actor. He's directed such films as Undercover Brother, The Best Man, Roll Bounce, Welcome Home Roscoe Jenkins, Soul Men, and the box office hit that grossed over $100 million domestically, Girls Trip. His latest film, Night School, stars Tiffany Haddish and Kevin Hart. The release of the film on DVD was just this week, and he talks to us about Night School, as well as some of his other future projects in the works. Hi, Jamie. Hey, Malcolm. How are you? Good. Good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Black Girl Nerds. Sorry for the little hiccup there. So we are excited about the DVD release of Night School. It was by far, in my opinion, one of the funniest comedies of 2018. 
Um, Yeah, yeah, I absolutely loved it. And, you know, we've seen you work with some of these great comedians before, like Kevin Hart and Tiffany Haddish. When you're working with these comedic professionals, does it make your job as a director easier? Or is it because they're so funny, off and on camera, does it become a little bit challenging? Well, comedy is hard. I know you've heard that before, right? Yeah. really true. I mean, it's, um, you know... It, it, it can look like a lot of fun, and, you know, like everybody, like this is last minute, but you know, it's a, it's, it's difficult. Um, but you know, in all that difficulty, we do, we are having fun in the, um, you know, in, in, in when, when, when they're trying to crack each other up and, um, you know, nail scene and kind of like push each other to be, um, you know, their comedic best. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's the, the good thing is, that they provide me with a lot of different options in the editing room because it's vital uh, to a great comedy. And uh, just because, you know, if people are laughing, then, you know, you're not, <laughs> you got a problem. Your movie's not going not gonna to work. So, right. um, you know, fortunately, you know, if one joke doesn't work, we've got to, um, you know, uh, 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 a, um, a backup. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of different options in the editing room, there's a number of really hilarious deleted scenes that's featured on the DVD. Uh, who ultimately decides what stays in the movie and what was your favorite scene from Night School? Um, let's see. I think, you know, the, look, at the end of the day, you want to make sure you've got... Um, the most cohesive story possible. And that means there'll be a lot of stuff that's funny, um, not not just one-liners, uh, but entire scenes that are gonna be funny that are going to, you know, be put on the cutting room floor. Um, you know, all movies, whether they're comedies, dramas, romance, action, there's plenty of uh, stuff that doesn't get to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in the case of night school, we had a we almost had like a whole other movie that uh, we could have crafted. Excuse me, but you know, but to answer your question, like I have to be the person that 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 you know says, okay, this is what's going to work best, um, and you know, you test a number of things. We wanted to test this movie quite a bit so we could see what was working and what wasn't, um, and that's why you do them so you can. If they're laughing, or if there's a lull, then you know you got to pick up the pace somewhere. Um, or you know, if the, if the scene you know is funny in itself, but doesn't necessarily move the story forward, or you can live without it and not miss a beat, then you got, it's got to go. So we knew we'd have a lot of stuff um, for the DVD, uh, you know, in deleted scenes. Uh, my favorite scene, oh. There's so uh, many know, to choose from, right? <laughs> there's a couple. I mean, I like the the, 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 the first um, class scene when they're all kind of getting to know each other. Yeah. But when they, we're all going to get to know the characters and how Teddy gets thrown off balance. Uh, I like how that came together. Um, uh, I also liked uh, when uh, anything with Keith David, you know, first in the second scene, 
with him, you know, giving Teddy a hard time mm-hmm. about, you know, getting his stuff together. Um, and I, I, I like the breakup scene with um, with uh, with Megalyn. Um, oh, I yeah. That was yeah. Well, well done. Um, so, yeah, there's a couple. And I, I, like, I like Teddy's speech at the end, too, and how that all came together as well. So, you know, it's it a number of things that I, that I, that I really liked. It was, it was really well put together. And what I liked about the film, too, in addition to it being this comedy, there was some really um, great social issues that were, you know, sort of depicted in this. Like, for example, I thought Night School did a great job of showing a lot of sensitivity to students with learning disabilities, which you don't see in many comedies. Why was this subject matter important to this story? Well, I think we wanted to um, lend credence to... Um, and validation to students who have learning disabilities and that not everybody learns the same, you know. Uh, doesn't mean that they're stupid. It's mean that they're, they learn differently, you know. Um, one, of, one of the things we wanted to, to illuminate in this movie was different learning styles um, and that um, the stigma placed upon those who, you know, learn differently. And so we wanted to, you know, in, in the attempt to um, not only like ground the movie a little bit more, but also to give it a little more emotional heft and heart. Um, so we would, you know, we wanted to add, you know, something that would, you know, allow us to be invested in the character um, in a real way, so we could get inside his head and not just be, you know what everyone else thinks about me, you know, um, on the surface, like, oh, this kid's just a hustler, you know, this guy's just, you know, trying to get over on people, and he's really just nasty, something that, you know, he's, he's embarrassing to admit or confront. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about directing, because that's really important to a lot of our listeners. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, in his book, Rebel Without a Crew, he once said that every director has at least 10 bad films in them. And you've mentioned in previous interviews that filmmaking is a very hard craft. Do you agree with Rodriguez's sentiments? Or do you think that the art of directing is something that um, you're either born with? Or is it a skill that becomes developed over time? I would say it's probably a combination. I, I don't know. That, I mean, shoot, if you're lucky enough to direct 10 films, you know, and, they're, and, it, and that's a blessing. I mean, you know, like, like 10 bad films. I mean, I'm sure everybody, everybody does have 10 bad films in them, but like you wouldn't make them because you wouldn't work. Um, you know, uh, at least in the, in the, in the, in the film industry that, um, the studio industry. Um, I think, you know, it is something that you, I mean, I certainly have gotten better as a filmmaker, um, not just in my aesthetic, but in my approach and in, you know, what I um, worry about when I say, okay, that's going to be, that's going to work itself out. Um, so I think yeah, you got to have, you got to, you got to inherently like love it. Um, you know, the idea of, you know, creating and writing and telling stories filmically and um, working with actors and moving camera. I think you have to, and I think number two, um, you have to keep um, building on that skill. Right, right. 
We we here at Black Girl Nerds, we love movies and we love movies that tell about stories featuring women of color. And I have to ask you about the Double Dutch project that you have at Universal. How is that coming along? And can you share a little bit what that story is about? Um, I can't really talk too much about it other than to tell you that it's a it's a coming of age uh, kind of a sports story. You know, I think you know, like the movies like um, 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 Bring It On. You know, about cheerleading. Um, I think that Double Dutch is such a uh, underappreciated, undervalued uh, sport that, um, and there's so much, you know, athleticism and timing and creativity uh, and determination and concentration and discipline that goes into it that, you know, I think it's about time to tell. Um, this kind of cultural rite of passage for black and brown girls um, in a fun uh, kind of sports movie way. That's my, you know, my vision about it. Um, and have it be funny and heartwarming and everything you expect from, you know, Malcolm Lee film or production. We're excited about that one. Um, last question for you. I know that you're also going to be working with Kevin Hart yet again on Uptown Saturday Night. And he was such a powerhouse in night school, being also the co-writer of the film. Um, and he's a beast as a comedian. What What have you learned from working with him that's helped you as a filmmaker? You know, Kevin's really a, a hard worker. Um, he's always busy. He's a great collaborator. Um, he really, you know, doesn't get stuck on anything too much. You know, he's very open. Um, and, you know, obviously, like you say, very, very funny. Self-deprecating, will do anything, you know, I don't say do anything for a laugh, but, you know, he, 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 um, he goes there. Um, like, not everybody has this statue to put on a chicken suit and just say, okay, what the hell, let's go for it. If you think it's funny... Let's go for it, you know, and at the same time, you know, he's not going to be degraded either. So, you know, I don't know. Kevin was Kevin was um, a great um, collaborator and leader uh, as well, you know, because he's not not only the star, but the producer as well. And at the same time, egoless, you know, so great work, great, great work with him. We'd love to work with him again. Well, we look forward to your future projects, and we're very excited about the DVD release of Night School. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Black Girl Nerds. My pleasure. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will be back in just a moment with our interview featuring Sanaya Sidney. If you've trusted love this far, don't panic now. Trust it all the way. Based on the acclaimed novel by James Baldwin comes Barry Jenkins' follow-up to Moonlight if Beale Street could talk. Time Magazine is calling it one of the year's best films, while the playlist is calling it a miracle. This includes an unforgettable performance by Regina King, who has received recognition for the most honored performance of the year. If Beale Street Could Talk has now been nominated for three Golden Globes, including Best Picture and Best Adapted Screenplay. If you haven't heard the film's score by Nicholas Bertel, it's an absolute must. It's available on all music platforms and is truly breathtaking. 
The film is now playing in select cities. Reserve your seats today. I can promise you, you don't want to miss it. Our next segment is with actress Sanaya Sidney. You've seen her in films such as Hidden Figures, Fences, Fast Color, and on the TV series American Horror Story, Roanoke. Well, you can see her back on television in the new Fox drama TV series, The Passage. It focuses on Project Noah, a secret medical facility where scientists are experimenting with dangerous viruses that could lead the cure for all disease but it also carries the potential to wipe out the human race. Sanaya plays the role of Amy Belafonte, who's chosen as a test subject. Her co-star in the series is Mark Paul Gossler, who we know best as Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. Hi, Jimmy. Hey, Sanaya, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing good. I don't know if you remember me. I interviewed you at uh, South by Southwest, and I had a chance to oh, meet yes. you and your mom. Um, so I'm glad to talk to you again. Is your mom doing okay? Oh, she's doing great. Thank you for asking. <laughs> it's her birthday today. It's her mom's yeah. birthday today. Oh, mom, tell, tell your mom happy birthday. It was such a delight chatting with you guys. We had chatted over Fast Color. I know you do like a million interviews, but... Um, <laughs> It was a pleasure. What's that? Thank you for taking the time to do this. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I asked specifically for you when they reached out about the passage. So I was like, I know Sanaya. I've I've interviewed her before. So I'm I'm excited for you in this um, show. So let me just jump right into this. Uh, Hmm. You are the lead protagonist who everyone is after in this new action thriller, The Passage. Can you share with us who Amy Belafonte is and why she's being chased after? Yes. Amy Belafonte is an orphan. She's a girl from nowhere. Um, A secret government agency is coming to basically find her, and and they're trying to cure this big plague that is coming. And... Some things happen, and you just have to watch the series to find out if she can or cannot save the world. <laughs> that she can or cannot save the world. That's some. That's a big responsibility for uh, for Amy. So that's incredible. Um, you know, we've seen your work in major feature films and indies like Fences, Hidden Figures, Fast Color, and now you are on TV, and you've also been in other TV properties like American Horror Story. Do you have a preference for movies or TV? Is one more challenging than the other? Um, well, I believe that all work um, is a great challenge for all actors because it, being able to just play different roles, I, I think it's a great um, experience to do different things that we've never tried before and to play different roles that are, that can be important to the world. Um, but um, it's it's not a, nothing different. I think it's just fun and to be able to be on TV show and be on TV, it's great because it's, it's not so different from movies, but it's just like a long movie and 
different episodes explaining it just a little bit longer, which is cool and which is great to be showing more of it and what happened. So it's just like, okay, well, I can find it and watch it again. I'm like, oh, well, we'll see what happens next week. Cause I think that's so cool to just be able to, oh, okay, well, we'll see who dies in this episode or something like that. I think it's really cool and fun. Yeah, it, I mean, the, the show is amazing. I saw the pilot episode, and it's so exciting, edge of your seat thriller. I think it's going to get a huge fan base. Um, and I understand that the show is based on Justin Cronin's best-selling trilogy of the same name. Did you read the book at all? Um, My dad actually, um, he read all three. Uh, my dad was a big fan of the books. Um, I read some of the first book, but not much. Uh, I, I just want to, you know, go off of what I believe Amy is until I read it. But um, I'm, I will definitely look forward to re- reading it here soon. But um, my dad has read all three of them, and he was really excited that I got it. So he was like, oh, my gosh, you're playing Amy. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I'm sure definitely there's going to be some more folks that are going to check out the book series once the series premieres on Fox. Um, I know that you worked closely with Mark Paul Gosselaar in this series, mm-hmm. and you guys have some really great chemistry. Did you guys hang out at all before filming to kind of build up on that chemistry? Well, actually, when I first, yes, well, we, um, when we first got together, it was kind of just like a rehearsal, so um, we would hang around the studio much. We didn't hang out much until, like, really later on. But um, at first, we would just have rehearsals, and I was actually really shy when I met him, and I did not know that he played Zach Morris. That was so funny. <laughs> when I met him, I was so, like, I was so, like, um, who are you? And ooh, nice to meet you, I guess. But it was really funny. <laughs> he was like, I played Zach Morris in Save of the Bell. And I was like, Zach Morris, Zach. The only Zach I know is Zach Efron, which is my husband, so I don't know who you are, <laughs> but I was like, oh, okay, but it was cool because, you know, we we talked so much, and to get to know each other was just like, um, we talked about, I was 10, and we talked about how he had kids around my age, and it was great to just communicate how he, he you know, he understood what a, because he's, uh, he's setting an example of his father role to Amy, because she's never had a father, so... To right. be able to portray that, I, you know, I think it was really cool that he understood because he has kids of his own. Yeah, it, it's so funny that you mentioned um, the character of Zach Morris in Saved by the Bell because I was going to ask you if you knew about his his legacy as that character. Um, was it did it feel you know kind of daunting at all after you realized that he's such a a well-loved and received um, actor based off of his childhood character on that Saturday morning series? Mm. Yes, um, I thought it was really cool because, like I said, he understood being that he was a child actor in this Mm. industry. He kind of reminded me about um, to stay a kid. And um, he showed, you know, I started, (laughs) actually, I started watching Saved by the Bell. And um, to just see how, he grew as a person and um, being able to be so young uh, like myself to do it, I think it was really like he understood and he learned about how it is to be in this industry industry so young, you know? 
So for that, I was really honored to be able to just meet someone that started doing this at a young age like myself. So it was really cool, and I thought it was nice to be able to just connect with someone that understood. That's awesome that he gave you tips on um, working as a child actor. That's that's really profound. Um, there's some scenes on this show that's pretty frightening and scary since we're dealing with vampires and these supernatural creatures. In later episodes, do you interact with any of these creatures, and did they terrify you at all? Well, funny, because whenever I see them, I get so scared um, <laughs> that I'm like, they can't, like, I get so scared when they get close. Like, Tim McShane and Brienne, Brad Howie, whenever, whenever they're in viral mode, I'm like, dude, I can't look at you without just thinking, like, oh, you're just going to, like, feed on everyone here. Like, it's funny. So I think <laughs> it's so cool. But, yes, I interact. You will see some things. Um, I, Amy will come across some with some friends of hers, but um, um, but I, I believe that it was it's it's really scary and it's funny to just see them at lunch like a virus eating vegetables. How funny! <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good that you're able to kind of see the levity in all of this because it's it's a pretty scary and frightening show and it's filled with a lot of suspense and it's a thriller. Um, but I see that there's some moments with Amy where, you know, she's kind of looking at things from the bright side and she's got this sort of witty canter about herself. Were, were there some moments where you had um, fun with being the character and playing alongside Mark? Mm-hmm. Um, being able to play Amy, it's fun to just be able to see how, she, like, like when I, whenever I play it, I'm like, wow, this girl is really strong. She, as much as she's going to, she, like, believes in herself. And it kind of made me, like, realize and appreciate so much more that is happening in my life. And being able to be a young girl kind of was just like, oh, I should appreciate more things that is happening in my life. And um, she actually made me realize some things that things can be hard. And viral, yes, it's really hard. I mean, um, becoming a viral is not that easy, mm. uh, or, and at least be in the process. And um, her, like, uh, getting the serum and getting injected and Mark Paul by my side and telling me it was going to be okay made me realize, okay, so it's okay to have someone be there when you're, you don't feel like you can be strong and take care of yourself anymore you know you, everyone has to have somebody by their side so being able to be aiming and well guys start you know a certain relationship i have like have that with my father so yeah i could relate and it was fun and it's great to be able to be in the moment what did you draw from because obviously you have a loving family you have two adoring parents that are with you by your side when you do these interviews and, and junkets. Um, but you're playing an orphan in this role. So what did you pull from to kind of be able to relate to this character? Well, you know, the I connect to all my characters, and um, I, I just believe that whatever's going on with that character I'm going through, so whatever Amy's going through, I'm going through. So like, like you said, um, I've, I've, I've never had a parent thank God, um, passed. So to connect to that, um, it was really, it was really something that I really had to connect to. Um, I've, I've lost some people in my life, but mm -hmm. that is 
bring that emotion like it was my mother's. And what would, what would it be like to lose a parent and to have something so important in your life to be gone, you know, and someone that has been with you every step of the way and then just suddenly just leave and vanish from your life. It's pretty, pretty not a not good thing to feel. And to go through that process, I think it's very important. And I was respectful for the ones that have lost their parents and lost a loved one. So to connect to that, I thought it was like, wow, okay, I need to be thankful of what I've what I have. But to be Amy, she's has a piece that is gone. So just to connect to it, looking at my mother, and I was like, what would you do if she wasn't here? So to be an orphan, I was just empty to be empty, to have no one there, and to raise myself. I had to just really connect to that and just to not trust anyone that was around me and to just believe, like, okay, it's just you now. So when I was with Mark Paul and I saw Wogas, I was like, let this guy be your light and your guide and start to trust him. And when I opened myself up to him when as Sanaya, I let Amy open up to Wogas. Wow. Last question. Um, you know, we see so many of these shows on television, shows with supernatural creatures and vampires and it's action thrillers. But what makes The Passage different from some of the shows that we've seen in the past? Um, well, ours, um, they are vampires. But I believe our vampires were scary. It's um, it's it has to do with scientists and things like this. If you can really think, our technology that we have today, stuff like this could maybe happen. So it's just like, oh my gosh, this is kind of kind of realistic. And it's like, okay, if we have to like really think about it, like, what if this really did happen? That would be cool, but not really because it's an apocalypse. With vampires, yeah, no, I'm out. You'll never see me in that situation. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's different because it's it's scary. It's a wild ride. It's a great adventure. It's fun. And it's just like through it all, the heart of it, it's just like a father-daughter relationship, the love of a father-daughter relationship. So to think like with everything that's going on, that one thing, that one thing is so important. That's like kind of just like the piece of something that temporarily that's going on. That's that's natural. Like oh okay, and to like oh they really believe in each other. If you believe in each other, then you can get through anything. That's why I was like okay, do all of this, all of the power and the viral and the apocalypse and everything. She still had to let someone in and be somewhat have the somewhat feeling of a human. So I had connected like, okay, human reality and vampire world. I thought that was really cool. Now that was totally different. Just fit that in. I thought I was like, okay, this is cool. (laughs) (laughs) Sanaya, I love talking to you because it's hard to believe that you're 12 years old, but you have like the wisdom of a 70 year old. It's so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And I told you that before. And I really mean that it's just, I learned so much from you. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us and uh, 
all the best to you. And, and please, I would love to talk to you on your future projects as well, because you're just oh, a breath of fresh air. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.